What it means is that you don't have to search for your identity and belonging just because the world can't see it. See, when we fail to receive our identity in faith, just as we've received Christ in faith, we begin to look for an identity that we can see. We start doing identity just like the world does identity. And Paul reminds us here to not search for something you already have. He says, don't try to go get some version of this. He's already given you the real thing. You just can't see it because you're not looking in the right place. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Spiritual Formation Podcast, where we have conversations that lead to transformation. On today's episode, we will be talking about the hidden life that is found only in Jesus and how accessing the hidden resources that God has made available is what unlocks the potential for us to grow deeper in Him. And while it has been some time since our last episode, I truly am so excited about some of the content that I have planned for this coming year. My hope is that these episodes and this content truly is a helpful resource for you as you follow Jesus and look to partner with him in becoming the person and individual that he made you to be. So without further ado, we will start with the first episode of 2024, Hope you enjoy. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Colossians 3 as uh, we get started this morning. Before we dive into the text, I just want to tell you a quick story. I remember many years ago, we took a family vacation when me and my brothers were, were younger. And I remember my, my little brother, Justin, he was about 12 or so at the time, which made me about 14, about two years older than him. And one night while we were out on vacation, We went out to dinner, and we went to a steakhouse, and parents looked at us and said, okay, tonight's a special night. Look at the menu, get whatever you want. So it was a treat. We we were really excited. And I'm looking over, trying to decide what I want. I look at look at Justin, and he. I said, "What are you getting?" He's like, "Oh, it's it's ribs. I'm gonna get ribs." So Justin ordered his ribs, and we waited patiently for all of our plates to come out. And then finally the moment came when you see, you know, the, the two waiters with the giant platters that have all the food. They come out, and the waiter starts laying down food. He starts putting down my food, um, you know, all, all of our food. But when he gets to Justin, he lays down a plate that has a towel that's kind of folded up in this, in this little arrangement. So I'm watching, and, and I look over at Justin's face, and he's just very confused. You know, we all have steaks and burgers and all this stuff, and, and Justin's got this little towel, so I'm watching him. He's puzzled, so he, he takes his little towel, and he starts kind of shaking it out, like, where are my ribs? Looking in this towel, and, you know, he's trying to solve this mystery as to why someone would put his ribs in a moist, warm towel, but the answer, of course, is that they didn't. You know, that, that towel was there for him to clean his hands after he devoured the ribs, You see, the ribs were on their way. They had not yet been served. And Justin's problem was that he was looking for the right thing in the wrong place. And you know, today I wonder if me and you are often guilty of that very same thing. You see, we unroll trivial things in life. We shake them out and we begin to look for fulfillment, things like value, worth, and purpose in our lives. The problem is not what we're searching for. Those are in the heart of every human being. 
The problem is where we begin to search for those things. You see, Justin thought his ribs were wrapped up in a moist towel, and as an older brother, I will never let him forget about that. Every time ribs come up, I'm like texting him, hey, remember the time. We have to stop searching for the greatest answers to life's questions in places that ultimately are going to leave us empty-handed. Discovering this seemingly hidden life that God has made available to us, it's exactly what Paul is talking about in this third chapter in the book of Colossians. So we're going to read this together. This is Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4. It says this, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. And guys, to be frank with you, this short passage, it's one of my favorites in all of Scripture. As a church, last year we went through this book of Colossians, and when I got to this, this passage, I feel like the Lord began to help me see it in a way that I never had previously. I'd memorized it, I'd read it from the time I was very young, but I think that sometimes those things that we think we know can often become just kind of covered up with just our first encounter. And today, my prayer is that the Lord would illuminate some new things to us out of this text. And what this passage is really revealing to us is that it's absolutely pivotal to our full participation in the life of God to understand what it means to be hidden in Christ. But before we get there, I want to talk to you about a phrase. It's this first phrase. It says, since you've been raised to new life with Christ. Essentially, as we begin to talk about this, we have to understand that Paul— believes that every Christian is so identified with Christ that what has happened to Jesus has happened to you. So a Christian person is so identified with Jesus that, that there is a, a dualism here, that, that Christ died and Christ was raised to new life. And so you who are in Christ have also died and also have been raised to new life. Similarly, just as Christ stripped the powers and the principalities, so you who are in Christ, you've also died to those powers and principalities as well. And and what that truth begins to do as we understand it, that there's a correlation between the work of Jesus and the abilities that he's opened up for us in our lives, is that we begin to see this theme that is one of the most important to recognize in all of Scripture. Now, what is that? It's the emphasis of how Christ has established past, present, and future. So, for instance, believers have past tense, died, and been raised with Christ. In our present lives, we are hidden with him. And at Christ's future second coming, our lives are going to be revealed in glory with his life. So, so why does any of that matter to you today? You see, I believe it matters, and it's paramount. Because how God longs to work in our lives is so often sequential. In other words, what we believe about our past, it impacts our present. And how we live our lives in the present ultimately impacts our lives in the future. So Paul wants to show the importance of seeing what God has done, what God is doing right now, and what God is ultimately going to do 
at his second coming in the next phase of our lives. So again, he's trying to do a whole lot more than just to get us think a little differently about our lives. This isn't just about adjusting a few behaviors. It's, it's so much more. Paul is urging the Colossians to seek a complete and total revolution in their lives by seeking the things that are above. And when I began to study this passage, one thing that stuck out to me is that this phrase, set your sights or seek, as it's often translated, it doesn't mean to track something down that's missing. It doesn't mean go find something that's lost. It means to more deeply pursue what's already right in front of you. So these people, they're not being told, hey, listen, since you're in Christ, since you've been raised in Christ, go search really hard to find out these secrets to the Christian life. Go uncover the vast mystery of how you can really live this thing out. Paul says, no, you've glossed over the Christian faith. You think you fully understand it, but I want you to keep seeking what's right in front of you. I want you to begin to go deeper. I want you to begin to see that this thing you think you fully understand, you don't. So they're being urged to more deeply pursue what they already know. So seeking the things of above then, it's, it's not just about thinking about heaven. You know, I think we can kind of just think, well, seek the things of above. I need to think about heaven and my relation to heaven as I go about my day to day. But it actually means something else. It means to orient the totality of our lives totally towards God rather than ourselves or the world and what it has to offer. You know, there's a quote by the desert church father, Athanasius, and he says this. He describes the human problem as a, quote, misdirection of the senses. And what he means by that is he's saying that human beings, we have this problem where we often seek the things that we ought not seek. We often focus on the things that we shouldn't be focusing on. And we ignore the things that we ought to be focusing on. And what happens is when we fail to fully direct our lives towards Christ, we end up seeking the things of earth. We end up so attached, even enslaved to the things that are around us rather than living in the available realities of heaven. So to illustrate this, I'll talk about my three-year-old daughter, Mackenzie. She is in a current stage of life and has been for the last about two years where her favorite toys in the world are stuffed animals. She has way too many of them. We constantly are trying to sneak some out of her bin and donate them to Goodwill or find someone who needs... I mean, it's just unbelievable how many she has. But out of all of her stuffed animals, she has this one that she got at her first birthday. It's a fuzzy pink bunny, appropriately named Bun-Bun. And Bun-Bun does everything with us. I mean, it's like we have three kids, Mackenzie, Olivia, and Bun-Bun. She carries this thing around everywhere. We go on a trip. She's there. We're going on a car ride. Uh, Bun-Bun is there. You know, it, it's just this attachment. And now it's tattered. You know, it's gotten a lot of love over the last couple years. So my wife was walking through Target, and she saw, hey, there's, there's a new Bun-Bun. So she got a backup Bun-Bun that sits in storage, and it's there if we need it. We haven't had to use it yet, but we know the day is coming where a leg is going to fall off, an ear is going to fall off, something's going to happen, and, and we're going to have to just make a swap here. And you see, it's cute that Mackenzie is so obsessed with this thing, but it's only cute because she's three, right? I mean, it's cute because she's a toddler, and it's not so cute for you and I, is it? 
And even though we may not be carrying around a stuffed animal, we live just like Mackenzie lives. We're so attached. We're emotionally enveloped in these things that really just don't have the place to be investing those things in. And what happens over time is we find that when those things fail us, as they always will, that our lives have been so put into the wrong areas that we don't have the ability to focus. We allow the things of the world, the distractions of life, receives our greatest adoration and focus. So a question for you this morning is this. Can you honestly describe your life as dead to the things of earth? Can we honestly say that about ourselves? That we are dead to them. Now that doesn't mean that we don't have things we enjoy. It doesn't mean that we don't have hobbies. It doesn't mean that we don't have nice things. But it means that those things ultimately aren't what make us light up. That we have a greater joy, a greater hope, a greater purpose than the things of earth. You see, Jesus himself talked about this specifically in Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21. He says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. You see, we are to be people who live each day of our lives more focused on what is eternal than what is temporal. And when the scale gets lopsided and we become so immersed in what's happening now, what's happening with day-to-day life, then we begin to live for ourselves. So Paul gives this warning, don't live this way, and then he tells them why it's so important that their hearts change. Colossians 3.3, for you died to this life. And your real life is hidden with Christ and God. I think Paul gets it. He knows that every human being has a hunger. We all have a desire in our hearts for our lives to be meaningful, for us to have purpose. We want to contribute in some way. So what he warns the Colossians of is to not search for that anywhere other than in Jesus. They're instead to belong to Christ to belong to the Lord. He says, for you died to this life and your real life's hidden with Christ and God. There's this old wives' tale that says there was a time when the queen of Sheba came to visit King Solomon. And on that day, she put him to the test to see if he really was the wisest man who ever lived. What she did was she brought artificial flowers that were so perfectly formed that no human eye could detect the real flowers from the fake flowers. So she puts them in a vase. She puts them on Solomon's table right next to his real flowers. And then he walks in and she says, Solomon, you're the wisest man in the world. So tell me without touching them, which are the real flowers and which are the artificial? How the wives' tale goes, it says that Solomon sits there for a while thinking looking, studying the flowers for a long time and spoke nothing until he finally said, let's, let's open the windows and let the bees come in. And you see, sometimes we can become so immersed in our culture, so distracted by the world that's swirling around us that we can't tell the difference between what is real and what is not. 
You see, we've chased this, we've accomplished that, yet we still feel this unsettled sense inside our own souls. And rather than asking ourselves, what am I doing with my life? We just start chasing the next thing because that at least worked for a minute. And we try to find satisfaction in the next phase. But in this story, what we find is that Solomon in all his wisdom, he had to turn to something outside of himself in order to determine what was real, even when he could not. And guys, you and I, we have to learn to do the same thing. We are so immersed in this life that we can't differentiate the things that are most real, the things of heaven, from the things that are not the things of earth, then we are trapped. And that's what we're going to hopefully allow the Lord to do in us this morning through the rest of our time. My prayer today, Jesus, is that you show us what's real. Show us today what is most real in our lives so that we can live for you. There's such a temptation here. Paul says, you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. In other words, stop looking in the world for what is solely hidden in Christ. You're not going to find it anywhere other than right here. In other words, what is most real in your life is often that which is least visible. Think about that. We can't see what is most real, and God is offering for us to live as people of faith that even when it looks like this is is the most important thing in my life, Jesus says, no, 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 it's not. And what the Colossians have, this life that they've been given, they, they possess it both in Christ and from Christ. And Paul uses a metaphor to try to help them understand it. He uses this phrase, hidden with Christ and God. So what does it mean to be hidden in Christ with God? What does that mean? I believe it really means that as Christ followers, you and I are able to experience certain provisions, specifically that were designed for Christ himself. Privileges that we don't deserve but have been specifically gifted to us by God as an extension of his love and his care for us. So to say it differently, Christ has made it so that the very blessings that he received in his life, when Jesus walked this earth, he was given these gifts of the Father. And those very gifts that he carried in his life, he has extended them to us through his death, burial, and resurrection. If God has said your your life is hidden in Christ and God, all that you need, all that you are looking for, it's hidden in Christ. So what are these blessings? I want to talk about a few of them. The first is this, hidden identity. You see, Jesus, he's the Lord of all creation, right? He's the king of the universe. But that identity, it's hidden from the world right now, isn't it? You see, we we believe it in faith. We believe that Jesus is who he says he is, but we have to take that in faith, And only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God share in that hidden identity. You see, just as Christ's identity, it's it's hidden from the world right now, so is our identity. The world, however, they have to search for their identity, whether it's in performance, whether it's in talent, appearance, success, outside opinion, so on. We have to search for it if we're living in the world's mold As followers of Jesus, however, our identity, it's already securely hidden in Christ right now. So while it's currently hidden, someday it's going to be revealed. Jesus one day is going to be revealed in all his glory. So is our hidden identity attached 
to his hidden identity. Once his identity is revealed, we're able to, to live that out fully. So again, what does that mean for you today? What it means is that you don't have to search for your identity and belonging just because the world can't see it. See, when we fail to receive our identity in faith, just as we've received Christ in faith, we begin to look for an identity that we can see. We start doing identity just like the world does identity. And Paul reminds us here to not search for something you already have. He says, don't try to go get some version of this. He's already given you the real thing. You just can't see it because you're not looking in the right place. It's hidden in Christ. So Christ is, he's hidden his identity within himself and your life is rooted in him. But that's not all. He's also hidden glory. Colossians 3, 4, and when Christ who is your life is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So because God's glory will not be unveiled to the world until sometime in the future, we don't know when, our Christian lives, we have to point them towards that hope in the future. We don't yet see the fullness of Christ undeniably displayed for all the world. Instead, Christ currently lives hidden in glory with his Father. We know the glory of God. We read about it in Scripture. We know that right now, in heaven, there is celebration happening, that the throne of God is radiating presence. We know that, but we don't see it, right? His glory is hidden. And as believers today, we certainly don't experience the fullness of our own glorious transformation because we've not yet been fully redeemed. However, we will be when Christ returns, but our present earthly lives were currently marked by the power of darkness in a fallen world. And in light of that, the Christian life, it can only be described as hidden. So the glory that God has, which is so very real, it's often hidden from our view So is the glory that God has given to us as his people. Again, what what does that mean for you? It means that you don't have to seek personal earthly glory from anywhere else. Instead, God has given you a hidden heavenly glory that points to the fullness of who Christ is in your life. Christ has not only supplied us with hidden identity, he's given us hidden glory, but it keeps going. He's given us hidden victory as well. You see, Like I've mentioned, our our lives as believers are hidden because we live in fellowship with a God who died a shameful, painful public death on a cross. That is the God we follow, is it not? The crucified God. In other words, Jesus' triumph and victory, they're still hidden. What actually was his victory, let's just be honest, it looked like his defeat, What looked like death conquering Jesus as he's put in a tomb was actually Jesus conquering death. So just as Christ's victory is hidden from the world, guess what? So is yours. We enter into the hidden victory of Christ when we live lives free from the shackles of sin. You see, we want visible results, right? We want to look and say, because Jesus died on the cross, that means that everything that I can see that is difficult is now gone. But what we see most true from Scripture is the fact that rather than seeing visible results of a physical conquest, instead we've been given an invisible grace to live free from a spiritual burden. Romans 6 Paul says this. He's talking about sin. He says, when you were slaves to sin, 
you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You're now ashamed of the things you used to do. Things that end in eternal doom, but now you're free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. While our ability to live free from the enslavement of sin is hidden, it's invisible, in Christ that doesn't make it any less real. Doesn't make it any less available to you. And what that means is that you don't have to wage a war that God has already fought and won. You know, I find a lot of believers are so convinced that they've got to really gear up for war, but it's over. I want to be careful here because what I'm not saying is that, oh, listen, you just have to believe the right thing, say the right prayer, and all your sin's gone. You're not going to struggle at all. No, we know that on this side of heaven, we are marked by a sinful human nature. But what we also know at the same time is that Christ has defeated sin because you were helpless to do so. So you don't have to produce a victory on your own. You simply get to enter into his victory by way of your own what? Weakness. As 2 Corinthians 12.9 reminds us, God's power actually works best in what? In weakness. The hidden life of God is bringing the same privileges that Jesus lived with right into our lives. Hidden victory. It may not look like you're living victorious. It may not look as you walk around with a chronic illness that you don't know how to deal with, but you're living free from the shackles of sin. The world would say, oh, that, that person's not victorious. But our victory, so many times, it's hidden from the world's view. Your identity, oh, they, they don't have a following. They're not attractive. They're not this or not that. No, but I'm, I'm one in whom Christ delights. It's a reorientation of our lives. It's an uprooting and seeing that, whoa, the things that I'm looking to in order to be counted as someone that matters, it's been completely wrong. You are one in whom Christ dwells. You have a brand new identity. You have brand new victory. You have everything that you need in Christ. But what I love about this is that there's still more. Not only do we have glory, identity, victory, it's still further God gives us hidden purposes. Hidden purposes. You see, again, we've talked about the Christian life. It's marked by faith. It's marked by believing in things that often we cannot see. And while Jesus has conquered death, we still face suffering. We still find ourselves dealing with hardships, difficulties, obstacles in life that we didn't plan on. And that illustrates to us part of the hiddenness of the Christian life as well. I want to just redirect to think about the Apostle Paul, the one who's writing this letter to the Colossians, where was he writing it from? Prison. He's writing this from prison, and Paul is the perfect example of someone who lived hidden in Christ through suffering. You see, from the world's perspective, Paul was a nobody. Paul was a public nuisance. He was a disruptor of the peace he was constantly being beaten and whipped for refusing to stop teaching about this new kind of crossbreed between Judaism and, and some other religion. And he was just thrown in prison again and again and again. To the world, they completely missed out on the fact that Paul was being used by God to change the course of history. The trajectory of the church 
say it plainly, Paul was willing to give up his life for Jesus in the same way that Jesus gave up his life for him, even in the midst of life not going the way he probably wanted it to. And part of the hiddenness of the Christian life, it rests very specifically in the hidden purposes of suffering. When we suffer, we're forced to do something we don't want to do. When we suffer, we're forced to hold our difficulties in faith before the Lord, very vulnerably, not knowing what's going to happen. And we don't see very often that there are even purposes in what we've endured. We have to trust that God can somehow use these things that we wish didn't happen for beauty. But let's think about this for a minute. Only from God's perspective could a torture device in the cross become a symbol of eternal hope for all of the world. You see, if you lived in Rome 2,000 years ago, when you saw a cross, you know what you thought of? The electric chair. God has taken that which is suffering in itself and he's transformed it to see hope. And listen, he does the same for you and I. When you look back and you see, I had no idea how I was gonna make it through that. But now on the other side of it, through God's faithfulness, through his love, through his sustaining grace, through his victory, through all of it, you can say, my goodness, that is nothing but a symbol of hope in my life now. It's a symbol of who God is, of how he carried me, of how he walked me through the valley of the shadow of death. So what does this mean for you? It means that even when the purposes that you had for your life, they seem to be completely thwarted, by suffering and difficulty, you can still rest in confidence that God's purposes for you, they're untainted. His plans for you cannot be thwarted by suffering. Jesus lived a hidden life, and he gives it to us. We have identity, glory, victory, hidden purposes. And lastly, this morning, I want to talk about hidden refuge. Hidden refuge. You know, this metaphor of being hidden in Christ, it serves as an image of security for you and I. I think of a treasure chest, just as treasure is hidden and it's kept safe in the chest, so is the life of the believer hidden with Christ and God. You are secured inside of Christ himself. Therefore, being connected to Jesus provides us a firm place to stand in a very shaking world. It means that when we live aware of that security, we have access to an immovable peace, an unwavering hope. That no matter what the circumstances are, it can't change the settling that we have because every single part of our lives are hidden in Jesus. We think that God has commanded a new way of life, but he's left its execution to human effort. But God has said, no, no, no. Listen, everything that you need, I've already hidden it in Jesus. You have access to Jesus. Therefore, look for what I've given you. Every single thing you need to live the life God has called you to, it's available. God has given you every resource. And these hidden resources, they open the door to renewal so that you can live more mature, deeper character, the ability to actually grow in your faith. So often we're just pushing for it. We're striving. I'm reading my Bible all the time. I'm doing this. And, and God said, no, I want you to look a little deeper. The things you've been ignoring with your suffering, with your habits, I want you to reorient, not just try harder. See me in what's already happening. So within the last year, 
I had problems with both my washer and my dryer. I'll admit, I'm not the handiest of men, but over the last few years, I've really been working hard to change that. All I have to say is, you know, thank God for YouTube. You know, it's just a handbook when you're lost in the desert. So I have these problems. They both happen at the same time. My dryer isn't working. My washer isn't working. So I started with the washing machine. And the washing machine was a front-loading washing machine. And it had a rubber seal that was not seated right. It wasn't working properly. It needed to be changed. So I order the new seal that needs to go in. But then I find out that in order to do the job, they want you to buy a $40 custom-made tool that only works for their specific washing machines. So I thought, no way. There's no way I'm spending $40 on a tool that I'm going to use one time to do one job that takes 10 minutes. So I said, I'm going to figure this out. So I did, like three and a half hours later. Yeah, I saved 40 bucks. <laughs> Wasn't worth my time, but, but that's what happened. Then I go to the dryer. Our clothes were actually getting damaged in the dryer because the lint trap, it wasn't going all the way down. So I think that the lint trap itself is messed up. So I order a new one, doing the same exact thing. I spend hours trying to jimmy rig this thing to get it seated right. And again, after hours, I realize, oh, the reason it's not seating is because lint had fallen down in there. And all I had to do is vacuum it out. You see, both repairs, they were incredibly frustrating. And both of them took way longer than they should have taken. But they were actually frustrating for very different reasons. With the dryer, I ended up frustrated because I focused on the wrong area. I focused on the lint trap rather than the lint itself. And guys, in the same way, I firmly believe that we will always end up frustrated in our Christian lives if we focus our attention on what we can see rather than what God has already promised us is there, even if it's hidden. I couldn't see the lint. The problem has to be right here. It has to be with what I can see visibly, but it's not. So often in our lives, the problem is something you aren't seeing. It's not what you've poured all your energy into. It's not just the obvious. It's the fact that God wants to come in and give you eyes to see, ears to hear, if we live our lives focused on the problems that are always right in front of us, how we can engineer our way out of those problems rather than looking to Christ, then we're going to waste a lot of unnecessary time, just like I did. And what do we do? We end up defeated. Man, I just wasted two days. But you see, with the washer, I ended up frustrated for a very different reason. I ended up frustrated because I tried to get the right results with the wrong tool. You see, I used standard pliers to try to stretch this thing out. I ended up getting my hands all bloody. Every time it would not get far enough and snap, it would cut me, and it was a pain. Friends, we will always end up irritated at our lack of growth, our lack of growing into the character that God wants us to, when we are trying to get the results we're looking for through human effort rather than God's resourcing. You have the ability to grow and the ability to mature in Jesus because God has hidden all of your life within himself. It can't be stolen from you. It can't be robbed from you. And in that life, he's also hidden all the tools and possessions in Christ that you need to grow up spiritually. He's placed it all within Christ. He's given you identity, glory, victory, purpose, refuge. And guys, it may be hidden. It may not be obvious, but let's be certain of something. It is there. 
It is available. So often we end up not reaching our full potential in Jesus, not because we don't care. We end up not growing because we couldn't see what God had already clearly placed before us. So my prayer for each one of us today, it's quite simple, that we would be people that discover more fully what it means to live a life that is hidden in Christ and God. As we trust him for the resourcing that we could never find on our own. As we stop looking at what is visible right in front of our eyes and begin to see that God is just trying to turn that kaleidoscope just a little bit and a whole new picture emerges. He wants us to see differently. I want to invite you to bow with me as we come to a close here. I just want to ask you a few questions just to to talk with the Lord. The first is this, have you been looking for the right thing in the wrong place? You know, is, is your purpose rooted in the visible world rather than the invisible God? Are you looking to try to find your worth from what you can hear, taste, see, and smell? Or are you actually believing by faith that you already have everything you need in Christ. Secondly, what hidden resources does God want to reveal to you today? Maybe you feel like you've just been bloodied up. You've spent time after time. You're trying to fix your life, fix your relationships, fix your problems, fix your kid, whatever it is. What hidden resources does God have available to you right now that you're just not seeing? Do you need an overhaul in your identity? Do you need to realize that it doesn't matter what other people are labeling you as? You are glorious in the presence of Jesus. He has given you his glory. That even if it looks like your life is spiraling, you have a hidden victory to live free from sin. That the purposes that you had for your life, just because they may seem thwarted, doesn't mean God's purposes are in there with them. That you are protected in a refuge of Christ's presence. Whatever it is, God wants to reveal to you today that there are resources to help you even if you haven't seen them. And lastly, maybe today, and I think this is probably true for most of us, myself included, can you begin to detect what is most real in your life? And if not, where do you need God's help to do so? You see, what is most real is often what is least visible Your life is located in his and he wants to help you. So Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus for my brothers and sisters that today this passage, your word would be living water. That we wouldn't be people who strive, who just try to figure it out, but we would be people who sit, wait, listen. Lord, we need you. We love you. And we ask you to just envelop us in a sense of hope as we walk from this place to go and live our lives with you moment by moment. And all God's people said, amen. Would you just give him praise this morning? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to the Spiritual Formation Podcast. We have conversations that lead to transformation. For more information about the show or share it with others, please visit rss.com slash podcast slash SFP for a direct link. If you found today's episode helpful, please consider leaving us a review on whatever podcast platform you are listening through. Thank you.